Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Grutnivlink, and I'll be your host. As always, I've got my guy Blake here with me. Blake, how are we feeling? We are feeling fine. All right. We were just talking off air here that, uh, you know, um, my life is a little crazy right now. So this podcast is my sanctuary and I'm feeling feeling very good. All right. This is this is where I want to be right now. All right. That's great. I wish it was my sanctuary, but I am currently in a matchup where I am literally 0.05 points ahead of my opponent. And so I am pretty on edge. And if I just completely space out uh, at some point through the podcast, you know that I'm just checking the score of the uh, Arizona-Columbus game, hoping that Lawson Krause has somehow found a way to score another goal for me. (laughs) Yeah, I got you, buddy. Don't worry about that. Uh, We could see two different sides of Nate tonight in tonight's show. All right? It could be just... Elated or, you know, going the other way. I don't know. I haven't seen that version of Nate yet. So that that could be fun too. So we'll see. (laughs) All right. Well, tonight we are going to do our customary hot and cold player analysis. Try to uh, just make sense of what these performances mean moving forward. Obviously, we're getting towards the end of the fantasy season here. So we want to give you some last minute tips for potential trades or maybe some guys to pick up and uh, potentially hold into your playoffs. We're going to take a look at that tonight, but first, as always, we've got to play a little bit of Two Truths and a Lie. Quick recap, we are keeping score on this. It's all tied 1-1 after I absolutely dominated last week's showing. That's hurtful. That's hurtful right (laughs) Is it untruthful, though? Uh, Yeah, let's move on. What's what's going on here? All right, let's get into it. It's power play points edition. So literally, I've just framed up three questions, one guy versus the other. Let's get into it. Matt Boldy has more power play points than William Nylander. That's the first one. Eric Carlson has more power play points than Kale McCarr. All right. That's number two. And number three, Mason McTavish has more power play points than Jake Gensel. What are you feeling, Blake? Talk me through your thought process here. Okay. All right. All right. Processing, processing. Let's take a look here. All right, Matt Boldy more than William Nylander? I don't think so. That sounds like that sounds like an obvious lie, but I think Nate and I are getting into, you know, double, you know, double tricks, you know, like trying to fool the person, but then actually throwing in something that's a red herring. I think that might be what you did here, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. So I think it's either one or three to me. I think Eric Carlson having more power play points than Kale McCarr makes sense just because McCarr has been injured and Carlson's been, uh, you know, on a Norris, Norris pace here. So two sounds like it's true. Uh, Mason McTavish, more power play points than Jake Gensel. Ooh, that sounds like, that sounds like a lie as well. So one and three to me are the red herrings. I think I, I know, cause I had William Nylander that he had a crap ton of power play points and and Matt Boldy I think he was on power play too at for at times this year so I'm gonna say oh Mason McTavish more than Jake Gensel what the hell I, I don't he's on power play too as well what I I jeez which one's more <laughs> all right you know what I gotta go with my gut I'm saying number one is the lie book it I'm going two and one let's get the bits that is incorrect unfortunately you were nowhere near you were all sense. around it, but but nowhere near it in the end. Uh, number two is the lie here. Eric Carlson does not have more power play points than Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr has 21 power play points, and Eric Carlson has 19, believe it or not. Now I need to I did see the actually... proof, Nate. I need to see the proof on this. All right, we're gonna we'll talk off, we'll talk off air. I need I need, I need <laughs> yeah. receipts. Okay, this I don't know. This doesn't sound right. I did actually take this before the games today, so. Uh, Nylander actually got a power play point to pull even with Matt Boldy as of today, (laughs) Uh, but still, uh, yeah, still tied there. And Mason McTavish, more power play points than Jake Gensel, which is absolutely bonkers. Uh, That's only, uh, let me find it back. Yeah, 12 power play points for Mason McTavish and 11 for Gensel on the season, which is... Yeah, pretty wild. McTavish has played most of the season, I think, on the top power play in Anaheim, but still... um, Yeah, just something that you would not have expected to see. And so I felt like I threw enough red herrings out there to sufficiently confuse you. I'm glad it worked, and I'm glad that I can now uh, claim my rightful throne as the leader of the Two Truths and a Lie segment, and we'll see how long I can hang on to it. 
All right. I knew you were a little on edge here, Nate, because of your matchup. So I just I wanted to throw you a bone. All right. Just just, just <laughs> send you away floating. I uh, but that's terrible. That's that's my bad. That's my B. We'll, we'll get it next week, everyone. Don't worry. All right. Well, that was fun, but we do need to get into the main portion of the program here. That is performing well. Number one player on this list has to be Dylan Larkin. In his last five games, he's got six goals, five assists for 11 points. Absolutely tearing it up. I saw somewhere that he was a potential trade target at the trade deadline that some people were throwing around on some lists. And I think that's kind of uh, out the window at this point. Detroit has come on of late. Larkin absolutely leading the charge there. Um, What do you think about Larkin here, Blake? Do you think that Larkin can really take a step on the season now? He's pacing for 85 points. Uh, Do you think that that's a reasonable take on Larkin and his current form with this current uh, iteration of the Red Wings? Or do you think that there's maybe some plus or minus to this that we should be baking in? Yeah, no, it's a good question. But I mean, playing the Canucks two times in five games is going to help with your offensive output. All right. He smoked the Canucks big time. He had uh, five points in two games there, but I mean, then he had another six points in the next three games. So um, Larkin is a beauty for sure. This is a guy I, I like to target for sure, because he, he, he drops in a lot of drafts. I think just because he's mm-hmm. on Detroit, he doesn't quite have that name value. Um, at the beginning of the season, this is a guy that I sort of called for as a potential like Selkie, you know, like a, like a dark horse Selk, Selkie trophy guy. Um, you know, so when like, cause I think he's a defensive kind of minded center, but he's obviously got amazing skill, like 56 points in 54 games. That's an amazing season so far for Dylan Larkin. Like I'm, I'm happy to see this. And, um, you know, one thing about Larkin, he, he gets minutes, he gets a ton of, uh, time on ice. Um, he's getting first line power play minutes, first line, you know, he kills penalties. Um, He's a beauty. I think he's getting hot at the right time for everybody too. Like we're approaching our fantasy playoffs. Um, you know, Detroit's playing well. He's actually has 13 points in his last seven games. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Larkin, I don't think he can maintain this current pace, but I, I think close like point point per game pace for Larkin and maybe, maybe a bit above that. Like it, he's just getting all the opportunity in Detroit and they're starting to click now with uh, Tyler Bertuzzi back on that top line. Um, they're starting to go. Mm-hmm. So I think if you, if you got Larkin, first off, you probably didn't spend a lot of draft capital to get him. So you, you got to love when a player like this just starts cooking because he's just, you know, he's just bolstering your lineup and then hopefully your big guns are, are killing it too. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Dylan Larkin. I actually didn't get him anywhere this year. And he's a player that I like to target. I've, I've had him before and yeah, he's, he's doing awesome. He's only 26 too. love this guy. Yeah. Absolutely agree. I do think that Bertuzzi coming back probably had something to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. Them just having that pre-existing chemistry. We actually talked about Bertuzzi last week and him being a potential add and uh, potentially a really yeah, a really solid piece to add to your uh, fantasy lineup, especially given the schedule that Detroit had this past week. Yep. And yeah, he absolutely came through, had some pretty big games. Um, and so I think overall... I think a point per game feels pretty right for Larkin rest of season. I think that's reasonable. Shots per 60 rank over this five-game stretch, 34th in the league, 58th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. The team numbers, not nearly as good, 253rd in Corsi 4 and 168th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Um, But obviously that's through no fault of his own. He's definitely the one carrying the bus there. Um, Yeah, I I feel like this is a this is about where I feel like Larkin should settle as you know the talent level around around him continues to rise in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm looking at him for the rest of the season, I feel like point per game is probably reasonable, and that's about where I'd probably place him going into next season as well. Another guy from Detroit that I want to mention while we're on the team is Robbie Fabry, who has kind of appeared out of nowhere to throw up three goals five assists eight points in his last five games is there anything to Fabry on here he's playing on that top power play alongside Bertuzzi Larkin Perron and Sider do you think there's more here than just a flash in the pan with Fabry um I'd need to see more with Robbie Fabry I think I'm happy to to see the production you know 12 points in 19 games he's got um, you know, his shooting percentage is pretty high. He's, he's almost at 27%. So that's not sustainable, obviously. 
Um, and his deployment is reasonable. He's in between like 15 and 18 minutes. So he's getting that sort of second line time um, with uh, who's, who's on the second line there. It's um, uh, Rasmussen. Yeah. Looks I like, like Rasmussen a lot. Yeah. yeah. Rasmussen and cop. Uh, that's right. Andrew Cobb. And he is, like you said, he's getting that top power play time. So um, I like the player to me. It, he's still a streamer and he's a, he's a schedule streamer. So when Detroit has a great mm-hmm. schedule, this is one of those guys you can target. I think, I, I mean, it, this is just one of those classic guys though, that we see every week where you're like, you know, by next week, you will have forgotten. He'll go three or four games without any points. Um, but, but I like to see it. it. It's, it's nice. I've liked this player in the past. Um, Robbie Fabry, like he had some good years, um, who did he play for before now? St. Louis, that's right. So, yep. yeah, it, he he just always had a lot of potential. He never kind of reached that potential, right? But, you know, he's on a 52-point pace now. That seems reasonable, like, rest of season, especially if he continues with his deployment. Um, yeah, that's I haven't really thought about this player too much, but it's it's nice to see. Yeah. And Detroit, Detroit is cooking. So um, they, they've obviously they played some weak opponents, and they're capitalizing. Yeah, the one thing I will say about Fabry, a single shot in each of those five games, despite all the points that he scored. He scored three goals on five total shots, which is uh, pretty impressive uh, stuff to be able to convert at that rate. So I don't see that continuing, obviously. It's still a nice spot to be in on the top power play, obviously. Detroit this week upcoming has a three-game schedule, but no off nights, so it may be a little tough to keep Fabry around for this week. I would not hesitate to throw him back if you're looking for a better streamer, if you need to open up some space, some off nights on your roster. If you're wondering about what to do with Fabry, if you did, if you were in a deeper league and you did pick him up because he was getting hot, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to throw him back for this week. I totally agree. He's a guy in deeper leagues that you could look at when Detroit has a nice schedule, but as soon as that schedule dries up, then he's going right back in the waiver wire pool. Absolutely. All right. Next team that I want to talk about a few players from is the Los Angeles Kings, who are suddenly scalding hot, at least on offense. Anze Kopitar, Kevin Fiala, and Adrian Kempe being the headliners here. Kopitar, three goals and 10 points. Fiala, four goals and nine points. And Kempe, eight goals and nine points. All of these guys, obviously just dominating of late is there one of these guys in particular that's got you really excited uh, moving into the rest of the season uh well i mean i think it'd be safe to say fiala but i'm gonna say kempe kempe is jacking me up right now this i you know this is kind of what we wanted i i remember kempe was one of your guys kempe was a guy that you called for at the beginning of the season and people have asked too like is, is Kempe what's up with kempe is he gonna be all right and you're like yeah He's going to be fine. And hell yeah, he's going to be fine. This guy's rocking right now. Like, obviously, Fiala is is the is the go-to there in LA. I'm not saying, you know, I would choose Kempe over Fiala, but um, I love, like, what Kempe's doing right now, and I've watched some of the games. Like, he looks good out there. And I just love mm-hmm. players like this. Just a pure scorer. Like, that's what this guy does, you know, and he's and he's feeling it right now. Um, so, yeah, I, it's these three guys. I, I like Kopitar as well, but I think he's kind of just at, at this point in his career, he's just along for the ride. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Kempe's, Kempe's going well and Kopitar is getting the assists on Kempe's goals. Like that's that's what's happening yep. here, right, with 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 Kopitar's uh, points. Um, but, yeah, I I love what's happening with the Kings too. Another player I like, and he's not on the list because uh, he's a goalie and, and you're, you know, a goalieist. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, is uh, Phoenix Copley. The guy is, um, yeah, he, I have him on a bunch of bunch of teams as well as a zero G kind of target. And he's he's doing excellent. So, um, but yeah, it, to me, it's Kempe. I, you know, his, his season last year, 35 goals seemed like, you know, we need to see a bit more of that before we can be, you know, or feel that this guy is is that player and i think what he's done here in the past few games kind of is bringing him back up to that level um his shooting percentage isn't crazy as opposed to the way it was last year his shots are still similar to what they were last year he's getting the same deployment same power play time like i, I just think he is this player on this team he's got a good opportunity and I, I love it and he's getting hot at the right time which which i love so yeah and then fiala obviously we've talked about him before second half mm-hmm. fiala is a thing and here he goes you know and it's crazy to me because they they don't give him that at least the even strength deployment um they're not mm-hmm. putting him with the best players on the team and obviously they know something we don't right because he's you know he's there with uh, i mean daily faceoff showing blake lazat and alex ayafalo which you know no slouches 
but I mean, you would think that he would be up there on the top line with Kopitar and Kempe, but they've tried that mm-hmm. this year and it hasn't really panned out the way they want. So whatever they're doing, they just keep doing it because Fiala is obviously, you know, incendiary right now as well. Yeah, I think definitely Fiala is the kind of marquee player there, even though he is playing on the third line. You could you could argue, honestly, that that's the top line just because yeah. Fiala is the top player on the team. And so whatever line he's on becomes the top line. I I think they're just kind of letting him sit there and dominate minutes. The last game they played against Arizona, they spread out the ice time between the top three lines. Uh, the Kopitar line skated 10 minutes, 31 seconds together. The Dano line skated 10 minutes, 13 seconds. And the Fiala line was 9 minutes, 56 seconds. So like, what is that? 35 seconds difference between the yeah. top three lines at even strength. So they're pretty much just running the top three lines out there, mixing in the fourth line whenever they feel like it. But um, So not a huge difference probably in terms of five-on-five five ice time. Obviously, Fiala going to be on the top power play and be a big part of that. Um so yeah, he's just kind of sitting there on the third line and crushing easier competition uh, with everything that he can do. But Kempe, I agree, is really exciting. Over these last five games, fifth in the league in shots per 60, eighth in individual scoring chances, four per 60. That's really exciting stuff. Uh, the player who's first in individual scoring chances, four per 60 over the last five games is Kevin Fiala and Bang. sixth in on-ice scoring chances, four per 60. So both these guys obviously at the top of their game. Kind of the odd man out here, though, is Kopitar, uh, 287th in shots per 60, 301st in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 107th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 65th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. He's really kind of, uh, like you're saying, become a little bit more of a passenger. Obviously, he's scoring points, and he's still going to skate a ton of minutes, averaging over 19 minutes a game through this five-game uh, five stretch that we're talking about. But I do think that Kopitar has kind of reached that point where he's a bit more of a distributor, a bit more of get the puck to these guys and let them work rather than the guy who drives the bus anymore. Um, yeah, it might be a little bit of an end of an era that we're witnessing in Los Angeles, but that doesn't mean that he's not a helpful player for fantasy. It just means that you can't really expect, even when the rest of the team is on fuego, that uh, Kopitar is going to be a guy who sustains uh, that kind of high level of production on the season. Now Kopitar is up to a 72 point pace. That feels not terrible to me. Like that feels uh, pretty good overall. And yeah, I would say Kempe is probably a little bit hot on the season. Like if you look on the season, he's on pace for 40 goals, 62 points. That 16 and a half shooting percentage would be a career high. So would the 11.4% on ice shooting percentage. So he's a little bit hotter. Um, I mean, that's going to happen when you have a stretch like this where you knock off eight goals in five games. So it's not like I'm worried about it. It's just that if you're looking at him as a 40 goal scorer and that kind of pace for the rest of the season, I'd say that's probably a little bit hot for my liking. Uh, whereas Fiala, uh, he's on a 30-goal pace, 88-point pace. I'd say he probably actually has some room to improve his goal pace, but the point pace being around that 90-point mark is, I believe, where I had him projected uh, to start the season. So that feels right to me, even with this third-line deployment. So, yeah, all things told, it's exciting stuff in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Uh, I do think that you know this could be even a sell-high window for Kempe or Kopitar. I don't think I'd be selling on Fiala. Um the one thing I would say is specifically if you're trending towards a playoff where you're in weeks 24 and 25, either you have a, a buy in your league or you only have two weeks of playoffs. If you're in like a eight team or a 10 team league, um, then Los Angeles doesn't have a very good schedule for calendar weeks 24 and 25. So you may want to take this opportunity to sell high on some guys. If that's you, if you've got the playoffs all but locked up and you're looking at what you can do to optimize your playoff schedule. Uh, so yeah, if that's you, calendar weeks 24 and 25 and yahoo is your playoffs then you should potentially at least see if there's a sell high moment with these guys with how hot they've been over the last little stretch here yeah love that all right let's keep going let's go to your favorite guy brock nelson who you've trashed relentlessly oh i knew you were gonna bring that up yeah (laughs) it's just Just his face more than anything yeah we we talked about his his profile there yeah yeah man yeah it's like come on it's just his face that you hate. Not, yeah, it, you know the, what? Uh, it's not helping. Let's say that. Right. <laughs> not the five goals and seven points in his last five games. That's yeah. Our, you know what? Probably <laughs> since we talked about him, this guy's been just killing it. You know, making me look like a dingus. <laughs> but uh, that's fine. You know, good for him. 
yeah, obviously there's a little bit of change with the Islanders. They've brought in Bo Horvat, and he's come alongside Nelson on that top power play and given that unit obviously a pretty big boost. Uh, in these last five games, Nelson is really standing out in terms of yep. the underlying stats, 33rd in shots per 60, 55th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. The on-ice stats are even better, 23rd in Corsi, 4 per 60, and 28th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Has been skating with Palmieri and Parise at even strengths, which is an interesting look, but one that seems to be working. Um, so yeah, have you adjusted your thinking on Nelson? Does the addition of Horvat to that power play unit change your projection for him moving forward? How are you feeling about Nelson with this hot streak and with the changes on the island? Yeah, I, I think you have to adjust. You know, when a player does this for this long, you know, yeah. Like, I think as fantasy analysts, you can't you can't just dig your feet in the sand and be like, I hate this guy. Like, no, you right. want to win. So you got to be like, oh, this guy's this player now? Okay, great. And, you know, Brock Nelson to me was kind of a middling player for a long time and a lot of years. And, and some of that's like bias, you know, like Brock Nelson mm -hmm. bias. Right. But yeah, I like, I, I like what's happening here. Obviously those, those numbers tell the story right there. Like the advanced numbers show a player that is like, he's doing all the right things and he's capitalizing, right. He's shooting a ton. Um, I, I think the addition of Bo Horvat has done something that's for sure. Like, and I'm wondering, you know, if, you know, that top line, they're all getting, they're all chugging minutes. They're getting a, a ton of deployment. So maybe that's opened up some, like the opposition pairings, you know, the line matching with Brock Nelson. Maybe he's facing a little bit easier competition. Um, obviously, Bo Horvat uh, is getting some attention on the power play. So does that open up Brock Nelson? Like he he's, um, I, I just, I like what I'm seeing. You know, the, the Islanders, this is not what I know of the Islanders, right? Of <laughs> them to kind of score in, in bunches like this. And um, that's kind of what's been happening. So I think, yeah, I'm slowly coming around to Brock Nelson. And I think, you know, <laughs> if you got him this upcoming week, man, you're going to love it because they, you know, Islanders got a great schedule and he's, he's flying right now. So yeah, I'll definitely adjust my, you know, adjust my expectations of Brock Nelson. I don't know. I mean, Moving forward on the season, so he's on a 76-point pace. Ugh, I, I don't I still don't think he can be a point a game or a point per game player moving forward. That that's I just don't think so. But I, you know, like what he got last year, 59 points. I think I think that's doable again. So 60 points, 65 points is kind of where I'm seeing Brock Nelson, you know, with with over 30 goals, which you know, I, I think that's reasonable. But I don't know if he if he if he does that even more, kills me again, like yeah, you know, next year, Brock Nelson, super team. I'm getting him on every one of my rosters. No question. <laughs> all right. But, uh, you know, and until he changes his face, all right, on, on some of his profile pictures, <laughs> like that's, you know, I, I just can't abide by this. But, yeah, good good for this guy. He needs a better ring light or something for those, yes, uh, something. those yeah. team photos. <laughs> uh, yeah, two things on Nelson. One thing I want to touch on before just talking about the player, but uh, the point you raised about uh, just not – writing off a player just because of priors basically on a player like Jeff Skinner comes to mind right mm -hmm. um who totally. is just written off had two pretty terrible seasons back to back um but the underlying stats were always there with Skinner it just seemed like he was just getting absolutely um tortured by his coach essentially like dropped to the fourth line and um right. for yeah whatever reason just not allowed to play in those offensive situations, which is literally all that a guy like Jeff Skinner offers you as a hockey player. So really didn't make a lot of sense. Um, when you have a guy like Nelson who this, this admittedly is a different situation, right? Like with Skinner, he broke into the league. I think he may have won the color. Did he win the color that year when he broke into the league? He was at least a finalist. Um, but he was obviously a guy who broke into the league, uh, was very hot to begin his career. Everybody was on board with Skinner initially and then had a falling off. Whereas Nelson, a guy who's been much more of a slow burn throughout his career and kind of uh, really taken off, I would say, like the last half of last year and then this year is really would would be considered his breakout uh, more or less. And to be honest, I think that's a harder thing to wrap your mind around as a fantasy analyst or a fantasy player is when a player shows you a certain level of play for so long and, you know, it's not like the deployment is all that different uh, in his last four seasons, including this one, 18 minutes, 51 seconds, 17 minutes, 50 seconds, 17 minutes, 40 seconds this year, 18 minutes, 48 seconds yep. uh, within a minute uh, of each other throughout these seasons. But it's really just been the last season and a half that he's kind of taken this next step. 
Um, the one thing I will say that's really kind of bolstered his profile for me is the underlying team context where he's gone from like last year, his Corsi four per 60 was 59.9 this year at 70.7, which is a huge, huge uptick uh, in terms of just chances uh, being generated by his team while he's on the ice. He's added five more scoring chances four per 60 this year to his on ice profile as well. So that's obviously a huge number. And then the on-ice shooting percentage in line with last year, the shooting percentage for himself personally in line with his career numbers, the IPP in line with his career numbers. I kind of feel like I'm I'm on board with Brock Nelson at a 76-point pace, 33-goal pace. That doesn't feel crazy to me. It feels like, like the Islanders have changed their... Their structure. They used to be obviously this defense first team and under Lane Lambert, they've gone to a more offensive style. It hasn't necessarily worked out the way they wanted it to. Right. Um, but what it means for us in fantasy is that Brock Nelson is on the ice for more scoring chances for, and he's converting on that because he's taken a step in the last year and a half, whatever light bulb has turned on for him. It seems to be something that's going to keep turning on for him and he's going to keep lighting lamps as a result of it. So yeah, for myself personally, I feel like I'm I'm pretty on board with Nelson at this pace, 75-point pace. I don't think there's a huge ceiling beyond this unless he goes on some kind of crazy shooting percentage bender or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is a player I would expect Nelson to be. Uh, now that they've added Horvat, they have that kind of added dimension on the power play that he can you know maybe gain a couple more points off for the rest of the season and keep that point pace up. I, I kind of feel like Brock Nelson is this guy now, 75-point Brock Nelson. Who would have who would have thought after I, all the years that he I know. put together? He's like a he was like a, a career third liner to me. You know that yeah. that's what he's been. Even just looking at his old numbers here, like yeah, he's you know he had a sixty five point pace like four years ago, but everything else is like forty points and under. Like for the season, you know that's what he's doing. Um, but I think this is a player to watch for next year, and obviously, you know, definitely. Of course, he's rostered this year, but um, yeah, this is a player to watch next year. Maybe a player you can get at value because people are probably still thinking like I am. Like, yeah, look at this guy. Like, look at his face. You know, no, <laughs> like, yeah, this guy, first off, he got 37 goals last year on pretty high shooting percentage. But I mean, he's going to get over 30 again this year on a more reasonable shooting percentage with, you know, better numbers. Uh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another player that's left the island, a former teammate of Brock Nelson, Anthony Bovillier, coming to you there in Vancouver. Four goals and six points in his last five games and skating about 19 and a half minutes a night through this recent stretch. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Blake. What are you seeing from Bovillier? Can we expect this moving forward? Obviously, the deployment is good. Do you expect that to continue? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't see why the deployment will change. Uh, Anthony Bavillier to me is like, he, he was a typical Islander being, being stifled by sort of that Islander system that they had under, you know, Barry Trotz and, and just the, sort of the way it was, right. It was just, th this is an offensive player. And now with the Canucks, he's getting a look with Pedersen and Kuzmenko on that line. And, mm -hmm. you know, Pedersen is playing unreal right now. So, he's he's along for the ride and he looks good out there um but to me the, this the you know the hot streak that we're talking about um the, these points that he has what is it yeah f you know six points in the last five games it's it's just due to opportunity right it's not so much that Bovillier is driving in in my opinion just watching it but he's he's opportunistic like you know he's he's out on power play one as well and the Canucks do have a good power play but one if they move it around really well um, you got Pedersen out there. You got Hughes. These guys, they, they whip the puck around. I mean, and, and Pedersen's, you know, he's, he's playing his best right now. So the fact that he gets to be on a line with Pedersen and just, you know, just give the puck to Pedersen and get in the right positions. Like he had a nice tip last night. He's just standing, you know, 15 feet in front of the net with his stick in the air and Pedersen shoots it. And he just, it was a quick tip. And, you know, so like, like I was saying, he's not really driving things himself, but it's a great, I, I could see him, you know, just under point uh, per game, you know, for the rest of the season. And maybe, you know, next season, like a, I don't know, 60 point player, 65 point player, maybe. That's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at with Bovillier right now. I, I'd need to see more, but I like him. I like his fit in Vancouver better than I liked it in New York. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think definitely they're they're giving him an audition. It feels like mm-hmm. essentially right um, in Vancouver to see if he's going to be a real big part of the long term plans. Beauvillier's been a guy. He has one season under his belt back in twenty eighteen nineteen where he cracked the ten individual scoring chances four per sixty mark. The highest he's gotten since then is nine point six five. He's been yeah between eight and a half and nine. 9.65 in all the seasons since then so he's kind of been on the cusp i would say of being a guy that uh, would really kind of get me excited and he's definitely had stretches where he's firing shots and he's getting these scoring chances and he's popping up on my radar because of that and so he's always been a guy that i've uh yeah i wouldn't say been super excited about but had streaming interest in and i have streamed him even this year uh, because of that situation where he um I, similar to what we were talking about with Nelson, right? The Islanders were a little bit more offensive this year when Beauvillier was starting to heat up, at least in terms of the underlying stats. Uh, there was a situation where the Islanders had a good schedule and I streamed in Beauvillier. Um, and so I think that's kind of where he's going to fall for me. I think obviously he's just very hot right now, shooting percentage with the Canucks so far, 22%, um, yeah. a little bit a little bit extremely hot on the on ice shooting percentage to almost 16% there. So obviously he's a little hot right now, but that's that's what you want to see when a guy's going to a new team. That's the kind of impression, first impression that buys you some time uh, atop the lineup, right? So right. Uh, don't take that as you know a, a major negative. In terms of his underlying stats, they've kind of actually remarkably remained almost exactly the same on an individual level as to where they were with the Islanders. That hasn't really changed. Uh, just obviously way more minutes playing on the top line, top power play. And then the... Uh, yeah, the team context obviously better. He's gotten a big bump, and Corsi four per sixty scoring chances four per sixty. That stuff uh, playing with Vancouver. So I do think for the rest of the season, he's probably until you know this deployment changes. I'd be holding on to him, unless Vancouver had a truly terrible schedule one week. I haven't gone through their schedule for the rest of the year or anything, but um, as long as it's not a truly terrible schedule, I'd probably be hanging on to Anthony Beauvillier. Like next week, the Canucks have three games played, zero off nights. I'm holding Beauvillier, even though it's not a great schedule for the Canucks next week. Uh, that's kind of, I guess, you know, the the uh, kind of safety net he's built for himself with me as a fantasy manager at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with the hold there, too. Um, and fun fact, I was just looking this up. Um, Beauvillier has three power play points on the season, all goals, and he's had them all with the Canucks. What the hell? That is interesting. <laughs> what, do you, what? I mean, you know, so, and, and I'm looking at some of these power play on ice numbers. Like that's a big difference between him and New York and Vancouver. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's playing f- five minutes one night, almost seven minutes the other night. He's, he's minimum playing two minutes per night on the power play with, with all the best guys. So yeah, this, this guy's mm-hmm. a hold. I think, like you said, it's an audition for the rest of the season. They're going to give him all the opportunity he wants. And he, he, he looks good out there. He's, he's, um, you know, he's not a liability in any way. So I like mm-hmm. that. It's a good pickup, honestly, for that Bo Horvat trade. Like, I don't know if this guy Atu Ratu turns into anything, then then we're looking pretty good because I still maintain Bo Horvat. He's gonna fall way off. All right, um, he's gonna. <laughs> you should get out of that man's kitchen right now. All right. All right, you heard it here first. Uh, one more guy that we got to talk about in this section is Dylan Dubé. An interesting name to bring up here. Four goals and three assists for seven points in his last five games. Not even getting 15 minutes a night um, on average. But the underlying stats with Dubé are pretty insane. 19th in shots per 60. 9th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. The Corsi 4 is really solid. 39th there. 88th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. And Dubé on the season now, 23 goal pace and 50 point pace. Really quite solid stuff from Dubé. It really seems like he's clicked on this uh, on this line that he's currently on. And yeah, I don't know. Is there something here now that he's playing with Tyler Toffoli, who's obviously a good player? Uh, is there something here with Dubé that we should really be kind of hanging our hat on? Is he someone to actually hang on to at this point, even though you know the deployment's not optimal? But it's pretty hard to argue with his rank league-wide um, over the last little bit and the results. The doobie brother. I love it. Um, yeah, this, yeah. Stay off the weed. All right, Dylan Doobie. That's, uh, we don't do that. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, 
normally I would say this guy, yeah, get out of my sight. Like, yeah, this is just a flash in the pan kind of guy. But yeah, with those numbers underlying and Calgary having a good four game schedule next week, I think they have two off nights. Like you, mm -hmm. you give him another week, you hold him. You, he should right. be rostered. You hold him for another week and let's talk in a week. Let's see what he does in this week because I want to see that time on ice increase. Like that's, I, I think that that's, kind of, it, you know, he could be a player like, uh, you know, Arthur Kaliev or Oliver Wallstrom, like these guys that don't get the minutes, but they have the good underlying numbers. Like right now he's, he's also converting. So that's the difference there. Um, mm -hmm. But those kind of players to me just sort of fizzle away and they're, they're just, you know, untapped potential basically, or just kind of a waste of, of, of talent and opportunity. And, you know, so yeah, give me another week of Dylan Doobie. I want to see what goes on here, but I, I like what I'm seeing. And yeah, Calgary's such a strange team too. Like uh, all this stuff going on with Huberdo mm -hmm. and just, just his season, Huberdo season in general. And now what's going on with that. And yeah. I, I don't know what Daryl Sutter is doing over there. It's really weird, but whatever it is, Dylan Doobie is liking it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you're you're bang on there. That's pretty much exactly what I'd say about Dubé. Probably should be rostered in most leagues this week. Give him a chance to extend what he's doing currently, especially with the schedule that the Flames have for the upcoming week. Uh, we'll talk about it when we get into one of the other players on the Flames a little later, but um, there are some really solid options from the Flames. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about how we would kind of rank all those guys and how they're performing. But um, definitely some interest in Flames players for the upcoming week. Yes, sir. But before we get into players performing poorly, I do have to remind you, you got to check out the Apples and Geos Discord server. We've got over 600 fantasy managers in there. We're all talking about our ads and drops and our potential trades and how we're going to connive our way into the finals mm -hmm. of our fantasy playoffs. So absolutely need to have you join that and come join the discussion with us. Absolutely, it's made me a better fantasy manager, and I believe it can do the same for you. If you're looking for help with your crucial waiver wire pickups through this really difficult and sometimes tough to navigate part of the season where you've got guys that are underperforming and you really need wins and you really need somebody to come alongside you and help you out with those decisions, check out the Patreon. Uh, I do an article every week detailing the best waiver wire pickups for the week, and I add a little podcast on top of that for the patrons. And I also, in the Discord, provide an extra patrons-only channel where I'll answer any question that you may have guaranteed. Both of those links for the Discord and for the Patreon are in the show description. Let's get into performing poorly. All right top of the list let's go back to calgary i want to get into this while we were just talking about dylan dubay i want to talk about andrew mangiapani who is another name that a lot of people are going to be looking at as a potential ad given the schedule that the flames do have this week mangiapani just one goal in his last five games but again it's the flames they have the good schedule mangiapani's been a guy who's been hot in the past and gone extremely hot actually uh, on the season this year he's just having a really disappointing season compared to what he put up last year 17 goal pace 42 point pace do you think uh, so let's frame it this way andrew mangiapani and mikhail backland and dylan dubé i would say are kind of three guys that a lot of people are going to be looking at from the Calgary Flames for this week and they're going to be deciding which one of these guys they want to pick up do you have a strong preference between these three guys um, is it all the same tier to you what are you thinking yeah it's a great question um, you know uh, to be totally honest I didn't know about Dubé's advanced statistics right I was aware of the player mm -hmm. but when I see those advanced statistics you got to go with Dubé as your as your first guy he's got to be number one I think I like Backlund too. I mean, he's, he's hot right now. I think he has five points in his last five. So um, yeah, that's sort of the order I would go. Mangiapane, he's, he's they're They're all in the same tier, right? Uh, they're second, third line players on Calgary, which, you know, have had success at times this season. Um, but yeah, Mangiapane, I mean, this guy, he reminds me of Kempe a little bit, but without kind of mm -hmm. the, the deployments, you know, he's not getting the deployment. He's not really getting the full opportunity there in, in Calgary. He's not getting top, top right. power play. Um, but I, I do like the player. Yeah, he is having a little bit of a disappointing season. Um, the big difference so far is he's not converting, right? If you look at his just a basic yeah. stat, like his shooting percentage, you know, over 82 games, he shot almost 19%. That's excellent. And that's that's not just running hot. Like that's that's he played. Mm -hmm. He did that for 82 games. So, and he got 35 goals with it. So this is a player that has that acumen. He should be, you know, 
he, he can do that, I think. So obviously, yeah. you know, he's not converting this year and it might have to do with, you know, look at the changes that the Flames made in the offseason, right? Like mm -hmm. you got you know, Huberto instead of Matthew Kachuk. Those are two completely opposite players that, you know, have fully different roles on the team. So I'm sure that sort of affected it somehow. Um, but yeah, he's, he's shooting at just under 10% for the season. So I, I would expect that to go up. His deployment is better than it was last year. I like Manji Pani for this week. I think he's, he should be rostered for sure, you know, and then just drop him at the end of the week. No problem. Uh, but yeah, I would go Dubé, uh, Backlund, and then Manji Pani, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Um, I actually had this decision to make in one league this week, and I kind of, I kind of viewed it as a spot where I wanted to make a floor play, somebody mm -hmm. who's you know going to provide some peripherals if nothing else, um, and I went with Backlund there. I had the extra spot at center, so that wasn't a an issue throughout the week. Uh, so that was the decision I made for that specific context. If I needed somebody who I thought you know could potentially boom and have an absolutely huge week, I might go with Mangiapane. Actually, over these last five games, 26th in the league in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, so that's a nice number. 15th nice. in Corsi, 4 per 60. 40th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Those are really solid numbers. Uh, so it seems like he's being pretty selective with his shots. He's not just firing a ton of shots, but the individual scoring chances for per 60 on the season up over 10, 10.7 on the season. Um, that's something he did last year as well when he took that kind of big step and had the breakout. Um, yeah, this is a guy shooting percentage over his last three seasons prior to this season, 15.6, 19.8, 18.9. And then this year shows up with a 9.8. So basically, actually less than half right yeah. <laughs> of what he's done yeah. the last couple seasons so yeah it really just kind of feels like um a guy who's just been completely snake bitten all year long and maybe you know maybe this is the week uh, the underlying stats are kind of coming around it seems like so maybe this is the week where he kind of takes that step the line mates are going it's just really on him to actually you know finish some plays and put pucks in the net so i do think that that's a possibility it's a bit more of like a boom bust thing right yeah um so that's kind of how i view mangiapani dube um yeah it's it's so tough when the player is playing less than 15 minutes a night as you've said on multiple occasions uh, i was kind of surprised that you went with duvet there just because you've been so adamant that uh about the time on ice and that kind of deployment um but yeah duvet i do think these three guys are all in the same tier for me duvet obviously the hottest of the three currently and really good underlying stats as well so duvet uh, i think you could I, I basically wouldn't fault you is what I'm trying to get across, I guess, is if you choose Dubé over Manjipani and Backlund, I'm not going to quibble with you. Uh, I think you could make legitimate arguments for all three of these guys as your stream for this week. Yeah, to me, one thing I've learned just from doing this podcast with you is that is is breaking the season up in segments. You know what I mean? And not mm -hmm. just chasing performances like I'm not talking about that. Right. But right you know, five games is a nice little sample size, right? It's, you know, it's not just, oh, you had a big game and you bolstered your stats and whatever, like Dylan, du you know, or not, yeah, Dubé has been doing it for, you know, five games and longer um, with those type of advanced stats. So I, I, I take, I, I use that a little bit more than I have in the past, right? Whereas right. as I would kind of just go with old faithful, just ice time, right? Who's getting the most mm -hmm. ice time? Okay, great. Now it's like, I like breaking it up in those little chunks and you see that they're going, you see Backlund's going, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you give it a couple games, right? And then, like I said, you give it a week and what, what, what does this look like after a week? And then you make adjustments, right? But uh, I like right. doing those week segments and then kind of we'll see where we're at. So that's why I chose to be there. Doobie yep. brother. <laughs> Love to see it. All right. Another guy with a great schedule who's going to be a hot topic for streaming this upcoming week is Cole Perfetti who is not exactly the hottest of players currently. Before today's game, he had zero points in his five games previous. I do believe, I'm going to double-check the box score here, I do believe he got in, yeah, he had a goal today on two shots, skated 17 minutes, 47 seconds today. So he did get in on some action here today, which is a good sign, obviously. That's something we want to see. He was on a line with Mark Shifley and Mason Appleton. They've really been blending the lines uh, with the Jets the last little bit, trying to find some consistency. Yeah. He was on uh, what 
kind of looks like the top power play there. It's kind of hard to see exactly what they're doing. They did change some things around a fair bit, um, but it looks like he was actually on that top power play with Wheeler and Shifley and then Kyle Connor at points. They also tried a weird two defensemen setup with Nate Schmidt and Josh Morrissey on the top power play. Like, it was all over the place today, and it didn't work. Um, so who knows if it'll uh, continue on. They did lose to the Devils 4-2. to two. So all that to say, Cole Fetty going to be a guy that a lot of people are looking at because Winnipeg has a four-game, four-off-night schedule this upcoming week. Uh, where are you at with Perfetti? Are you really zeroed in? Like, of the guys on the Islanders that are widely available, it's like Palmieri, it's guys like Parise. Uh, there's really not much to do with the Islanders right. uh, aside from the guys that are widely rostered already. So I feel like Perfetti is kind of the best streamer from between the Islanders and the Jets, at least in terms of points. So is Perfetti somebody that you'd take over a Mangiapane or a Backlund or a Dubé? Um, you know, there could be some some uh, little bit of decisions to be made about whether all the four games for the Flames are going to make it into your lineup, given that they have a couple of heavy nights in there as well. Yeah. Um, how does he kind of mix into this with those guys that we were just talking about? Yeah, I mean, he's in the same tier. I I haven't been blown away by Perfetti this year. I, I'm, I'm interested in Perfetti when he has good opportunity. And that was kind of when he was skating on that top line, you know, mm-hmm. um, because he was with Cal Connor and, and PLD for a little while, um, I think right. on the right wing. And then, yeah, they bumped him down. So Shifley's no slouch. Obviously, you know, he, he's one of their best players. So I don't know. I, I agree with everything you said. Like, it's it, he should be rostered this week, no question. Would I roster him over the Calgary guys? Probably just because of the schedule, <laughs> right? But it, I'm not happy about it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, you know, he's still getting power play time, like, but I'd like to see him on power play one. I think it, in this time of the season, usually in the NHL, like teams that are playoff bound, they start kind of solidifying everything. And these guys like Perfetti that get a bit of a run in the earlier parts of the season, they sort of get a little bit minimized unless they're like scorching hot, right? Like this, he's, mm-hmm. he's a younger guy. He's only 21. So they're going, okay, kid, you, you know, you go down second line, third line, and just, we're not going to, you know, put you into any too many situations that, you know, to set you up to fail, right? We're going to ride our main guys. And I think that's kind of what's going on in Winnipeg a little bit. So, yeah, I think you'd have to go with Perfetti just because of the four, uh, because of that schedule. But would I take Perfetti over Kyle Palmieri? I don't know. I think I'd, I think I'd go with Kyle Palmieri on that one because, uh, yeah, he's actually playing well right now. And look at those numbers that you talked about, Brock Nelson, the on-ice numbers that are going on. Like, that line's going good. So I'd probably go, yeah, I'd go Palmieri, Perfetti, uh, Zach Parise. No, I don't want him. No. Then I get into the <laughs> Calgary guys. So there you go. That's, that's my thought okay. there. But I like Perfetti. He's going to be a good player. Yeah. Yeah, I do think Perfetti's shown enough this year that we can pretty confidently say that he's going to be a really solid top six player, if not top line player in the future. Mm-hmm. I'd be pretty excited about taking a chance on him in my drafts mm-hmm. next year. Uh, a little bit later on where I anticipate he'll go as he could be one of these guys who has a big time sophomore breakout for this week upcoming. Uh, I, it, it really depends for me what your, what your schedule is looking like. Right. If you need even one of the off nights, so say, say you've got, uh, you're deciding between the flames guys and Perfetti and you're only going to get three games. Uh, you're looking at your lineup and maybe it's the Saturday heavy night. You're not going to get the flame, um, Whichever guy you go with, say it's Mangiapane, you're not going to get Mangiapane in for Saturday night, so you're only going to get three games out of Mangiapane versus four games of Perfetti. I think I would go Perfetti at that point just to maximize the games played there. Like I said, really solid deployment tonight, got over 17 minutes. We'll see if that sticks. They are, like I mentioned, kind of trying to figure figure out some kind of consistency with the lines and with the power play and everything. Um, but he did score a goal tonight, so you'd feel like he'd be one of the players who maybe emerges from that that pile a little bit to get some more ice time moving forward. So I am interested in Perfetti for the week, especially if he is going to give you that edge in games played on the week. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't I don't feel great about that take to be honest. Yeah. Like it's it feels it feels very much so like they're in a similar tier, like we're saying. Um, 
but yeah, I am. I do think that Perfetti is a guy with a lot of talent, and you know, this could be a week where he starts to pop off and he starts to figure it out too. As a rookie, I always say that rookies are very, very hard to predict what they'll do week to week. He could have a zero week. He could have a five point week. Um, neither would really surprise me too much. Um, but yeah, I guess that's not a glowing endorsement of Cole Perfetti, but that is kind of my exact thoughts about him at this point. He's not an exciting streamer and he hasn't been all season. I mean, even just looking at his basic numbers, like he's shooting 1.8 shots per game, like buddy, come on. And you know, 35 hits in 51 games, huh? 22 blocks, buddy, get in front of a puck. So, you know, cats league where this is kind of hurting. If it's a cats league, I might look at one of those Calgary players that are putting up a bit more perifs, right? Even if you, mm-hmm. even with the, even with the one missed game, but um, yeah, I think that's where, where it is here. I love these conversations. Actually, this is what I'd like to do a little bit more. Even moving forward is like, who would you take? Would you take this guy? Would you take this guy? Like that's valuable mm-hmm. stuff to me because these are the kind of questions that fantasy managers have on the daily. Like I've been talking on Twitter with all kinds of people, like who should I pick up this guy or this guy? You know what I mean? It's like, I, I love these kind of conversations and I like hearing the rationale for and against it's, it's good stuff. Right. Absolutely. Let's talk about another rookie here. Let's talk about Owen Power, who has one goal in his last five games. Obviously still getting tons of deployment, 22 and a half minutes on ice on average through these five games. But really the results haven't been there for Power all season, pacing for six goals and 32 points, which is obviously not super valuable for fantasy purposes. The pedigree obviously definitely there with Owen Power, former first overall pick for the Sabres. You see the deployment, you see, you know, on the season, the Sabres have been a great goal scoring team, not so much of late, but on the season, you would expect them to get a little bit of a rebound here and power could be a part of that. Um, Do you have any interest in power? The Sabres do have a solid schedule this upcoming week, which is why I kind of brought them up. They do have similar to Calgary. They have four games played with two off nights. They kind of have it reversed though, where Calgary has Thursday and Saturday heavy nights. The Sabres have Tuesday and Thursday heavy nights. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not really interested in knowing power. Um, I, I like the player and moving forward and especially now with the way that Buffalo is and the, the amount of young talent they have and locked up for, for the, uh, the next few years, like Owen Power is going to get an amazing opportunity, you know, soon. And I, I love mm-hmm. the deployment. I do like that. So they're showing a lot of confidence there. So he's, he's doing some good things defensively. Like he's definitely not a liability. But, I mean, we just talked about Cole Perfetti as a rookie, and it's not that exciting. And how about a rookie defenseman? That's even worse, right? You know, you've heard me talk about defensemen. Right. It's like, you know, he doesn't. his ceiling is not like, you know, 60 points. It's like, you know, his ceiling is like 40 points maybe. You know what yeah. I mean? And he's yeah. not even close, right? So, you know, there are other guys on Buffalo that I'd rather have than uh, Owen Power. Like, um, what's that other, what's that guy's name? Matias Samuelson. Go get some periffs. He's not going to get you any <laughs> points, but, you know, or or Joka Haru or whatever. Like, I'd rather have those guys <laughs> than Owen Power. I don't think... I just, I'm not inspired at this point in terms of fantasy with Owen Power. Right. Um, I think this is kind of who he is for the season. I, and I love that he's getting time. I think that's what young players need to develop, right? He's getting right. an amazing, you know, time on ice with with really good players. And he's, I'm sure he's learning a lot. He's a big kid too. He's like 226. Like this guy's going to be a beauty. No question. Like you, you don't get drafted first overall, you know, and like, I just think defensemen take longer to develop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even look at Mo Sider this year, right? Came out f- yep. firing last year and then, you know, came back down to earth this season trying to, you know, figure his way out in the NHL. And, and that's probably what Owen Power is doing right now. But yeah, I think there's better guys you can get. Go get one of the Islanders defensemen like uh, Gulak mm-hmm. or Adam Pellick or not Pellick uh, or Scott Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of those guys. Yeah, I tend to agree on power. It's it's interesting to me with power because he is one of the more highly rostered guys. He is getting second power play deployment in Buffalo, obviously tons of minutes. So you like to see all those sorts of things. But um, yeah, the results just haven't been there at any point really for power. What I would say is he's flashed in a few stretches for me, just like two, three game stretches where he's put together some pretty solid shot totals and chance totals. Um, that's the kind of stuff that gets me a little bit excited about what he can be, but more so for next year than this year. Yeah. Um, so 
if you're really hurting, like if you're in a pretty deep league and he's been dropped and he's sitting out there on your waiver wire, um, there are probably worse things you could do than to give him a roll for this week in a, in a week where you're going to get four games out of him. Um, that would be okay with me, but I tend to agree. There's probably some other options out there that you can do better with. Um, but all that to say, I am not writing off power because of this season. That's kind of what I wanted to bring him up here. Right. I'm not writing off power um, and his offensive potential in the future. There have been some flashes. They've been brief and few and far in between, uh, but they have been enough for me to say that I think they're just bringing him along the right way. They're letting him focus on playing defense while Darlene takes the offensive load. And once he's ready, I do think that Owen Power will be an offensive defenseman in the league. Yeah, absolutely agree. All right. I want to talk about a couple more defensemen, actually, and a couple of guys who've been a little bit disappointing. Aaron Ekblad is one, and Ekblad has kind of had a pretty miserable season overall, pacing for 15 goals, which is solid, but only 46 points. Uh, I think a lot of people had him projected uh, in like a 60-plus point range uh, for this season. And so that's obviously been a huge disappointment with Ekblad. The other guy I want to talk about is Tony D'Angelo. What's his name again, Blake? Can you say that for me? Tony D'Angelo. You got to say it like that, Nate. All right. How many times I got to tell you D'Angelo? You got to come on. I'm still learning. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. fine. We we have time. We have 10 or 12 more years, but I'll get there. so D'Angelo's got 14, uh, 14 goal pace on the season and a 49 point pace on the season, which is honestly about where I had him projected for the season. Um, but both Ekblad and D'Angelo kind of showing up under the hood for me here uh, in terms of shots, at least. Ekblad fifth amongst defensemen shots for 60 over the last five and D'Angelo 12th. Are you... Are you panicking on either of these guys? Are you holding them? Uh, Philadelphia has a solid schedule for this upcoming week. Um, so I feel like D'Angelo probably hit the waiver wire in a few leagues recently. Yep. So he's out there for a number of our listeners. Would you be interested in going out to pick up D'Angelo in a week where you're probably going to get some usage out of him? And are you at all concerned about um, Ekblad, especially in a week where they only play a couple of games, the Panthers do. Would you take this moment to maybe search out a trade if you can? Um, yeah, good questions. Um, first, Tony D'Angelo, I think, yeah, you should roster him this week for sure. Um, this is kind of, yeah, I'm with you. Like, this is where I thought D'Angelo was going to be. This, again, is a player I called as a bust, and he was going crazy at the start, and now he's, you know, come back down to earth, and that's fine. It, I just watched the Canucks Flyers game too, and D'Angelo is not a, he's not noticeable. You know what I mean? Like he's only noticeable for bad things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what was he doing there? That's a terrible giveaway or what, you know, he's an offensive defenseman that is currently not producing any offense. So um, plus, yeah, there's, there's some turmoil there, a little bit of turmoil in Philadelphia with the coach, um, you know, as expected. So that said, mm-hmm. yeah, he should definitely be rostered. Like this is a guy who's getting, all the top power play minutes. He's an offensive defenseman and the underlying numbers, like he's shooting, which, which is great, right? Mm-hmm. He's still getting reasonable deployment. Um, you know, even though he's kind of been in the doghouse for a little bit, like those days of 30 minutes are gone right now. He's yeah. now he's looking at like 20 minutes, you know, maybe. Yeah. So what, which, which is fine. Like that's kind of where he was with Carolina. Right. And he, and he put yeah. together a really like that's that's what D'Angelo can do, and he can still do with the Flyers. Like the Flyers, they were snake bit last night too. I mean, the Canucks uh, backup goalie Archer's uh, Silovs like had a good game, right? Konechny could have had like five goals, you know. <laughs> so it just, um, yeah. Tony D'Angelo, roster him this week. Get him out of your sight next week, no problem. Uh, but he, you know, he's going to get you some power play points too, right? And then as far as uh, Ekblad, I mean, if you can trade him, he doesn't hold a lot of value like and the person like so you drafted him you're like you probably drafted him in the third round he was one of the top you know or that second tier of defensemen there uh, because of the season he had previous right where he you know he had 15 goals and 61 games um you know good periffs and everything else and it's his stats remind me of just the way florida has played this year i mean besides Mm -hmm. you know matt kachuk it's just like it's just the tale of two seasons. If you look at the, you know, last season and this season, and he's just a, he's a victim of it, just like everybody else is. And it's good to see that his numbers are still there, you know, that he's still putting together some good numbers. Like he's a great defenseman, right? I I think what he did last year is achievable again, but it's just been a rough year for Florida. And it's, it's kind of inexplicable. I can't even really, 
put my finger on it, but this is, you know, you drafted him. It's kind of like drafting Hedman too, right? You, you, mm-hmm. These are guys that you know are good. Like Aaron Eckblad is a great defenseman, not just a good, he's a great defenseman and he's getting all yep. the minutes, but he's not doing what you drafted him for in fantasy. So it's very frustrating. So I think if you're trading Ek, uh, Ekblad right now, you're, you're selling low. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. and it's not a good idea to sell low. So you, I think you just have to hold on Ekblad, enjoy some of the periffs that like he's getting monster minutes. You know, it's, he's getting access to amazing players like Barkov, Kachuk, you know, all the players they have on Florida. Sheesh. Like it, he's going to start getting some points. I don't think a 46 point pace doesn't make sense to me. I think, you know, he mm-hmm. could probably boost that up to like a 55 point pace, you know, moving forward. But yeah, this <laughs> it's been a rough season for Ekblad owners. No question. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much in line with what you're saying on both of these guys. Yeah, D'Angelo, I had some Twitter interactions where people were trying to tell me he was potentially a point-per-game player, and that uh, just blew my mind. I don't think he's ever done anything in his career that suggested that was possible. I think maybe we got a little bit over our skis with the Carolina season and how well that went, but like, that's Carolina. Like, look at what Brent Burns is doing in Carolina now. Right. Um, it's pretty easy to see why that works out for whoever takes that role. So D'Angelo, yeah, at this point, it feels like he kind of is who he is. He's got a 52% IPP, which is on the higher side. But again, he's in Philadelphia. He's probably going to get on a little bit larger of a percentage of those. He's got an 8.6% on ice shooting percentage, which feels low. But again, he's on Philadelphia, so that's going to be a little bit low. Uh, The shooting percentage is pretty much in line with what you'd expect given his career numbers. Shots per 60 in line. Like everything just seems to be pretty much exactly where we thought he be the only thing i would say is he's getting more minutes um on the season like on the season he's at 22 minutes 42 seconds as you mentioned definitely come down from that kind of status the last little bit um has a 15 minute game in recent memory a couple of 18 minute games couple more so 20 21 minutes between 19 and 21 minutes is um, more so where you're gonna find him i think for the rest of the season just because of the power play, right? Um, going to get plenty of power play time, probably going to play between the second and third pair for the rest of the season. So um, yeah, 18 to 21 minutes, somewhere in there is what you can expect. And yeah, somewhere 45 to 50 point pace um, with some cold stretches and some hot stretches for the rest of the season is what I'm expecting from D'Angelo. Pretty much exactly what is on the season numbers are. On the Ekblad side of things, I totally agree with what you said about him just feeling like a bit of a microcosm of the Panthers season as a whole where, yeah, everything went perfectly for them last year and everything has gone terribly for them this year except for Matt Tuchuk. Um Yeah, Sam Reinhardt, another guy who's been just terribly snake-bitten all year long. Ekblad, a 35% IPP over his last three seasons. He was 44%, 40%, and 45.6%. So that feels pretty light. His shots for 60 is really solid, would be the second highest of his career so far. And he's still playing, you know, 23 plus minutes every night, close to 24 minutes a night. On ice shooting percentage, uh, feels in line with his career numbers. Last year was obviously a big tick up. And to be honest, I, I do feel like Florida should be shooting um, a little bit more efficiently than they have on the season. So he could even see a bump there. I do think Ekblad is a better, much better player uh, than the 46 point pace he has so far. But yeah, maybe the 60 plus that a lot of people were anticipating was a little bit much. Uh, maybe like a 55 point defenseman is what we should be more so valuing Ekblad at moving forward and into next season. Uh, to your point, I don't think you should be selling him at this point even with the two-game week. Maybe, honestly, if you're in a really solid spot moving into your playoffs and somebody else is scrapping to make the playoffs and they're like, I got to get this guy off my roster, he's doing nothing for me, then maybe this is actually a buy-low opportunity for Ekblad. I wouldn't hate that. I do think, you know, um, Reinhardt has come on of late. I was saying this in the patron-only Discord to one of the guys who he was saying, thanks for telling me to hang on to Reinhardt. I would have dropped him a long yeah. time ago. Um, whether or not you should have held on to Reinhardt the entire time that he was that <laughs> yeah. cold is... You're just uh, stubborn, yeah. Yeah, whether that was actually the best move, given how long he was cold for, is is still up for debate. Um, but the thing is, the underlying stats were saying the entire time that at some point he was going to rebound. Like, it wasn't something about what he was doing that was so terrible. It was just that pucks weren't going in. And I feel like it's the same thing with Ekblad here. So I do think that there's an opportunity potentially here uh, with Ekblad 
Uh, it might not happen this year. Like he very well could go the rest of the season at a 46 point pace and just be snake bitten the rest of the season. That's possible. Um, I'm not discounting that, but I think the smarter money is that he, he does improve on this and maybe even gets on a little bit of a hot run to close out the year. Yeah. I love that. Buy low. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Stat Trick. Definitely go check that out if you want to get a little bit more knowledge about these individual scoring chances for that we keep bringing up or anything else. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. And that's it, folks. Much love. Mm-hmm.